Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and I have with me today two awesome guests. I have Alec from the What's Choppin' podcast. Rutgers going to go ahead and give us some information here today, our Big Ten affiliate there. And then we have Kent from the Casual Big Ten, one of my favorite Twitter follows in uh, in the Twitter sphere, X sphere, whatever you call it. I'm going to go ahead and let these guys introduce themselves, tell you where they can find your informa- where you can find their information, and go from there. Alec, why don't you start off for us? Yeah, sure. So uh, on Twitter, you can find me at AlecCR12. Uh, a lot of Rutgers stuff. I'm sure some Ohio State people saw me for the first time, too, uh, for reasons that we'll get into in a little bit. Yep. Um, but for the podcast, uh, What's Chopping Pod on all social media, and then also on all podcasting platforms and YouTube, the What's Chopping Podcast. That's where you can hear me and maybe some cool guests talk about some Big Ten football. Excellent. Awesome. Kent, you want to tell people about you? Oh, yeah. Uh, casual Big Ten. It's at Casual Big Ten on Twitter. I'm never going to not call it Twitter. It's always Twitter to me. Uh, on YouTube as, as well uh, with the podcast, uh, podcast listing apps, wherever you listen. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, and then Friday, my favorite episode, we do the uh, Bet Big episode with uh, Bet Big Brad and B1G Wilson. That's my favorite show. So uh, definitely tune in on Fridays for uh, talking about the lines and the over-unders and where you should put your money. And then uh, we lose all our bets. So that's always fun. So just do the opposite of what you guys say and parlay it all and you'll be good. It's so funny because like each week, like one of us gets hot. Like uh, Wilson this week, I think went like ten and four or something crazy, and I was like the complete opposite. But then next week it'll be different. Like someone's always good, so you just gotta like ride with one guy, and then you might be good. I don't know. Yeah, try it out. Pick who it is and go from there. So, All right, well, hey, thanks so much for joining us today on the Big Ten Huddle. If you're watching on YouTube, please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that. If you are on podcast, please give us a follow and a rating, subscribe, whatever it is over there. Give us a rating. We want to know what you think of the podcast. We want to know how to improve, what to do better. So give us an honest rating. Let us know what you think. And as always, we are brought to you by Big Major Sports, BigMajorSports.com for all your Big Ten media needs. All right, so we are going to get into some things first. We're going to start with the Ohio State game, then we'll get into the Michigan game, and then we'll talk a little bit about this Michigan stuff. I have a little bit of news I want to make sure to inform you about, and then we'll get Kent and Alex's opinions on that. But let's start with the Ohio State game. Ohio State wins 35-16. to Kind of, you know, they covered. Kind of looks like, oh, Ohio State played this really great game. Uh, I wouldn't say that at all. I think that Ohio State played rather poor, and I've even heard some people say that Rutgers played like the better team in this game. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's definitely a conversation. Ohio State is now 9-0, 6-0 in the conference. Rutgers, 6-3, 4-2 in the conference. Let's go ahead and start with Alec. Alec, what were your thoughts on this game? Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, lots to talk about in this game. Um, first, I mean, I, I agree. I don't know if I'd go for, as far to say as Rutgers was the better team on Saturday, but they definitely looked like they belonged. They were, you know, they, I would say they out physical Ohio state, something that I haven't seen all year against, against the Buckeyes. And it really shows just so how far this program has come under Greg Schiano and especially the jump that they've taken this year in general. Now, looking back at the game, uh, yeah, there was, there were so many opportunities for Rutgers. And I think it boils down to just, we're not able to move the ball when they needed to in the red zone. That's why this game was lost. And it hurt to see really because they had so many opportunities. They're running the ball really well. Kyle Manungay had another great game. Gavin Wimsett looked pretty good on his legs again, but that arm, man, he just, he has to figure out the accuracy because he left a lot of plays on the table. He had that wheel route to Dremel on the third down that he completely overthrew. 
There were a few other opportunities in the red zone for touchdowns. They just couldn't get the couldn't get the right placement. And just overall, it was an inaccurate day. And he'll have these inaccurate games. And then every so often he'll just have, you know, this throw where you're looking at it's like, wow, how did he make that throw? And he did that again with a touchdown to Jaquay Jackson in the fourth quarter. So in that regard, just a lot of missed opportunities. And going into that, like I was kind of talking about before, the red zone inefficiency, they just weren't able to move the ball when they needed to in the red zone. You know, having you know, when Jay Patel has three field goals and his longest one of the day is 22 yards, that's a problem. That means you're just not moving the ball when you need to. And I would have liked to have seen Greg Schiano roll the dice and go for it on some of those plays. But at the same time, I can't kill him for taking the points, especially when his defense played as well as it did. And so, you know, the offensive line has once again been a major surprise. They were bad last year. They've looked really good this year. Pat Flaherty has been a releva- revelation since they brought him in. Um, not really out of retirement, but kind of like out of the shadows and back to being an O-line coach. And, you know, looking at the defense, they played awesome pretty much at every level. The pass rush, they got pressure on McCord when they needed to. You know, Trevion Henderson had a really good game, but, you know, didn't have as many potential game-breaking plays until later on in that game. The secondary played really well, too. Marvin Harrison, he had two touchdowns, but also only had four catches for 25 yards. So in between the, in between the, zone, in between the red zones, they really locked him down. And, you know, Max Melton, he's kind of struggled this year as, as at the cornerback spot. He played a really great game. I have to hand it to him. Robert Longerbeam played really well as usual. Eric Rogers is playing really well right now. All three levels of the defense looked really good, except for one play. And this is where it really hurt. Not having Tyreen Powell, who was lost for the year with a hand injury. It was a third down, and Rutgers had Ohio State on the ropes. It was a one-score game. Travion Henderson gets the ball and a dump off out of the backfield, and that was Tyreen Powell's spot in the middle of the field. But his backup, Daryl Jabome, I mean, I can't really kill him because Trevion Henderson can be a game breaker. He just didn't take the best angle, got lost, and Trevion Henderson took it 65 yards, and that was pretty much the game right there. And I feel like if Tyreen Powell's there, that's his stop. But it's it's conflicting because Rutgers hung with the number one team in the country, Ohio State, who they have never even been close to sniffing for pretty much three quarters. But still, it was a 19-point loss. So a lot of good to take away from it. But Greg Schiano said, you know, we're not there yet. And the fact that, you know, you can go toe-to-toe with the number one team in the country and say we're not quite there yet, it's pretty good. Yeah, I think it was overall an encouraging day for Rutgers. Obviously, you don't want to lose by 20. But like I said, this was a much closer game than people gave it credit for. Uh, Kent, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I thought that there was like, two different halves from Rutgers. And uh, I thought the teams like basically switched jerseys at halftime as far as who was controlling the the line of scrimmage because the first half I'm watching this game, I couldn't believe it was Rutgers just dominating. They, they were kind of gashing the Ohio State defense when they were running the ball. It was pretty incredible to watch uh, the first half, but the problem was weren't finishing drives with touchdowns. And if they did, I think that we're talking about a completely different game uh, at the outcome here. Um couple other things that I, I just I just want to point out. I don't know if uh, Ohio State fans will like this very much, but I'm a big believer in momentum. And I just from watching the game, I thought that the pick six was a targeting and I thought it should have been called and it wasn't even reviewed. It wasn't th- there was no flag thrown. Um, I tweeted it out and I know Ohio State fans, like I said, totally disagreeing with me. I don't I'm not an Ohio State fan or a Rutgers fan. And um I, I thought he was right at his head. I thought he was going at, you know, his helmet area. And that ended up being a huge play because that really turned the momentum around for Rutgers, who was once again driving right there. They're getting close. 
And really good play call right there, too, by the way. A little fake uh, run with Wimsat, and then they uh, kind of tried to throw it over the top to Manungai. And I, I just I hated that that wasn't called because I think that it could have been an even better game. It could have been a closer game. And then once that happened, now, on the flip side of that, if you're a Rutgers fan, you got to be able to overcome that. you got to come back out and put together a better drive, and they absolutely did not do that. On that next drive, I think they went three and out. Maybe got a first down. I'm not sure. Um, but it was all Ohio State in the second half. And then, like I said, they kind of took over. I think it was their third drive in the second half. It felt like it was all Travion Henderson. Um, every time he got the ball, it seemed like there was just wide open lanes and he was able to run wherever he wanted to. So, I mean, the number one team in the country is going to do things like that. So not really surprised that that was the outcome. I kind of expected Ohio State to flip things around at halftime, and that's pretty much exactly what happened. Yeah, that was the second time this season in a really big game that Ohio State had a fortunate penalty on the other team. You know, you had it with Penn State where, uh, what was it, the holding on Marvin Harrison Jr., that the touchdown that Penn State had came back. In this one, you had a questionable targeting call. And I, at this point, I don't know what targeting is ever because I, I look at it and I'm like, okay, maybe that is targeting, maybe it's not. And then I look at what happened in the national championship game with Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm like, that's not targeting? Like, I, I don't know what's targeting what's not and so I look at it and I'm like it just depends on how the ref is feeling this day I guess I don't know you know is he out for blood is he not do you know were they nice to each other before the game or not I have no idea uh so the way I look at it is it's like it's just like a fortunate call if it happens because I don't think most targeting calls like 95% of targeting calls it's not actually targeting where a guy is like putting a target on another guy I'm going to try to hurt this other player uh it just so happens to be the let me, way let me ask you a question real quick though do you think do you think if Kyle Manungai is hurt on that play it's targeting then because I feel like every time someone gets hurt then they end up throwing the flag and they go back and say well let's go look at this and see what happened but he got right back up so they're like ah no reason to review he's fine let's just let the game go on one, I think it helped that Josh Proctor got hurt too, you know, because it's like, oh, we're going to call targeting on the guy who got hurt on this play. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, to me, whenever there's an injury, they always want to take a second look at that hit. Uh, so I do think at the very least, it would have gotten a second look if Kyle guy got hurt, um, to which Greg Schiano might tell his players next time, hey, when a questionable hit like that happens, yeah. just <laughs> sit down and let's, totally. <laughs> let the traders come out to you. Uh, so... So we'll see. Uh, we have a comment here from Jason with a few comments. He said Harrison got hurt and it wasn't and it wasn't targeting against Georgia. That's what I'm saying. Like to me, it looks like targeting, but they didn't call it, so I guess it's not targeting. You know, like I, again, I just don't know what targeting is. Chris Smith says a lot of the targeting calls come from the booth and d- come from the booth anymore. So I, I, I just want more consistency on it. Is really what I want. I Alec Alec is dying right now, man. Alec, he, yeah, he has you, to you say take something. it over, man. Tell us tell us what you know. Oh boy, yeah. For the past few minutes, if you've been watching my body language, I have been itching to say something about this. <laughs> oh my goodness, I just I I like you guys were saying. I don't know what targeting is anymore. And I posted a, I was in the student section at, at SHI Stadium, and I quickly went to Twitter in the break after that touchdown, and I was looking for a video because. I was sure because I was looking straight ahead. I was sure that there was a helmet to helmet hit. So I saw the first video that I could find on Twitter. I watched it and posted it saying, how is this not targeting? Um, it kind of blew up. Uh, and I'm sure a few Ohio State fans that have never heard of me before probably heard me and was like, who's this like whiny 20 year old uh, talking about targeting? So, yes, it was definitely an emotional reaction that I had. But also. Take a look at it from a Rutgers perspective, Michigan State. 
first half of the game, a fourth and one Rutgers gets a stop. Tyreen Powell jumps the snap perfectly textbook tackle bites the ball. His helmet grazes the face mask of the Michigan state running back. You're done targeting. And then you look a week later, Indiana, it's the second half of a blowout. And Jameer Wright Collins gets a, you know, shoulder ish to shoulder ish hit. Nope. Targeting. You're gone. Gavin Wimsett takes multiple hits to his, to his head, to his head or neck area. Nothing. And, you know, Johnny Langan, I will say, against Indiana two weeks ago, Johnny Langan took a huge hit that they didn't even call targeting. They sent it to the booth and they reviewed it and they did call targeting. So like you guys said, it's it's just a judgment call. And I think the reason why I and many other Rutgers fans were so upset that this wasn't any kind of penalty or review, they didn't even take a look at it, which I think was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the, the reason why we're so upset is because like, you know, we've seen far less hit or I, I don't want to say less lesser hits far uh, lesser targeting looking hits. I guess that's kind of a janky sentence, but we've seen hits that are far less looking like targeting have our players ejected and Jameer Red Collins missed the first half of the Ohio state game. And that was a position in need because Tyreen Powell had just been lost for the season with a hand injury. So from a Rutgers perspective, it's just like, what do you want to, what do you want from us here? And I will say this had nothing to do with the targeting, but it was just kind of insult to injury. You know, we saw a flag on the return and we thought, you know, all right, this is probably coming back. They called Gavin Wimsett for an illegal block, which was a good call, I guess. But they missed a block in the back on Ohio State. So it's just like a throw your hands up. There's not much to do there. So, oh, man, I just had to go on this rant because it just makes absolutely no sense. And I know I got I got killed by Ohio State fans on Twitter for saying it was targeting. And looking back, it was a little bit more debatable. I thought he was a defenseless receiver because he's diving forwards for the ball and gets hit in the head. So I thought there should have been at least something, at least a review, but I just had to get that off my chest because it's something that had been brewing for, I, I, I guess, over a day now in, in my head. I just had to, I just had to get it out there. Yeah. And I would say that if there's any Ohio state fans out there that are getting upset about this, look, just go back to your Georgia game last year as an Ohio state fan myself. I was looking at that and thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, that's probably targeting. And then I was sitting there saying, man, if I'm a Rutgers fan right now, I'm pissed. Like I was during the Georgia game last year that it wasn't targeting on Marvin Harrison jr. Uh, so, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, sometimes the ball drops your way. Sometimes it doesn't, it it sucks. It's weird. Uh, but it is what it is. Kent, you got any final thoughts on this one? No, I, I just think that, like, I kind of want to circle back to, like, just the timing of it, because at that moment in the game, it does, I, I know it's easy to look at the final score and just be like, oh, one call, it doesn't really matter. But really, it does, though, because it's the timing, it's what the score was when it happened, and then, you know, how the game plays out after that, it's a huge momentum shift. So it just sucks that, you know, it was going to be a great game, no matter, I thought it was going to be, a, like, a classic almost, like, it was going to be a really good game. Uh, there for a second because they were just going really back and forth and it was kind of a slugfest and then you know something like that happens it really just broke it open for Ohio State so I just didn't like the timing of it um, but hey like I said you got to give uh, Ohio State credit they went on and uh, dominated that second half like they're supposed to and then like I said if you're Rutgers um, got to be able to overcome stuff like that if you want to be a great team which they are teetering on uh, being a great team at this point I'm really impressed with what they've done so far this year same, same. Chris made a good comment here that I was thinking uh, close, but Proctor was pulling up. That could have been nasty for both of them. I agree. I think that honestly might have been the part because I remember watching on replay. You saw Proctor lower his head and then it's like he pulled up and tried to slowly get out of the way because he realized what he was doing. That's also the part of it I hate is 
like to expect these players to make these split second decisions like that. Uh, it's just, it's nearly impossible. So, all right, let's move on to the uh, Purdue and Michigan game. So this is our first game where we see Michigan. I guess they saw it with Michigan State without, without Connor Stallions on the sideline. Uh, so he wasn't there for Michigan State. He wasn't here for this one. Uh, I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but it was definitely a storyline that was going into the game. They talked about it on the broadcast for at least a second. They didn't give too much to it. Uh, but Kent, your thoughts on this one? Michigan wins 41-13. to They don't cover. Uh, what do you think? I mean, I'm, I, uh, <laughs> Michigan is just so hard to even talk about anymore. It's just like, I'm, I, I hate to sound so negative, but I'm just so tired of talking about all the other stuff when it comes to Michigan, because if you did, uh, if you, if you lived on a, a distant planet and you just came down to watch this game, you would just be really impressed with how good this team is. It's a really great football team. So it's unfortunate that there's all this off the field stuff that is always talked about, even throughout the broadcast. I thought, uh, and this is just from my perspective, other people might not agree with me on this, but I thought NBC even last night was talking about it too much. And like I'm, I'm sitting down to watch the game. I don't want to hear about that stuff anymore. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, so I won't, uh, I don't want to hear about that stuff anymore. So, uh, they, they opened the game with about almost 10 minutes of talking about this. And it's just like, can we just play football for once? Um, so if you put all that stuff aside, Michigan, Great football team, uh, deserves to be in the college football playoff. Obviously, they're undefeated, uh, been blowing everybody out um, at this point. Obviously, we got to see what happens the rest of the year. Um, I thought JJ looked good. I thought Blake was fine. I, I still think that there's some credence to the fact that <laughs> Corum does get a lot of touchdowns right when they get down to the goal line. So it's not like he's really working to get down there, but still, he's got a lot of touchdowns this year. He's punching it in for Michigan. Um, defense is unbelievable. The defense is just so so fun to watch. Um, if you're a football football fan in general, if you hate Michigan, it's not fun to watch. But um, just a really impressive performance by them. Again, I thought that um, you know for Purdue, if you're a Purdue fan, obviously uh, I saw a lot of tweets last night. They were really excited that they were the first team to uh, score over ten points on Michigan. So I guess that's something to take away if you're a Purdue fan. And like you said, Michigan didn't cover. But it was 32 and a half points. So it's a little, I mean, you can't be too excited about that. Um, no, I mean, I hope something happens this week with the Michigan stuff because I'd really like it to come to an end. I don't think that it will all season because I think that fans will still always say that Michigan's cheating and they cheated to get here and they're going to continue cheating. They already have the signs and all that stuff. So um, I'd like something to happen so that we could put some closure to this and just focus on the football. But I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. Yeah, we'll see what comes from it. We're going to talk about it here in a minute. I think I have some information that will be helpful to that. But before we do that, Alec, this, just your thoughts on this game in general. Yeah, I mean, you know, you guys said it. Michigan's just a really good team. And it shows that offense and defense, they're borderline unstoppable. And that's why I was so surprised that Michigan wasn't number one if we're looking all the way back to last week in that college football playoff rankings because Ohio State has a great resume. But Michigan has destroyed everyone. And, you know, the uh, the completely irrational fan slash student in me wants to say that, you know, Michigan knew the signs on that pick six against Michigan like a month and a half ago. But obviously, you know, can't 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 say that for sure. But, um, yeah, back to this game. I mean, yeah, 
Michigan's just uh, there's not much else to say that hasn't already been said about Michigan. They're just a complete wrecking ball right now of of offense and defense. You know, JJ looks pretty good. You know, and again, Corum also looking pretty good. But that defense, like 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 Ken was at, like that defense is just on a on another level right now. So, and I also agree that I kind of just want this all to end because while it is extremely funny seeing some of the reactions, and I, I will say, going back to the Rutgers game. There are a few different people that, you know, had Michigan gear on. And I know one person had a Michigan shirt that said, we are not Michigan scouts. It was a lot of good. I will say a lot of great content has come out of this. And I think it's a, I think it shows that the college football universe or whatever is one of the funniest online that I've seen. Um, but yeah, I, ju- I just want it all to be over. I'm tired of like the speculation. The sources said this or tying a bunch of different stories to different things. I just, I just want it to be over and I want a conclusion to it just so we can, move on and still make fun of it, but also have it not be like hanging over everyone's heads and pretty much the entire conference. Yeah. So from what I know, I think that the good news for Michigan here is that there is not going to be anything happening to their chances with the championship this year, big 10 championship or college football playoffs or anything like that. Now there is a rumor out there that like the college football playoffs came out and said nothing about the NCAA and then ESPN started all their, you know, trash campaign about Michigan there at that point. So, you know, there is that chance, but I don't know if I buy into that rumor too much. I think that there might be some there, but you know, at the end of the day, it's <laughs> there's just a lot of people looking for content online right now. And stuff. The one thing I do want to share, because the thing that I've heard from fans in my mentions and other people's mentions uh, more than anything else is that there is no way that the big 10 will ever suspend Jim Harbaugh. And definitely because the uh, big, t- because Michigan will just sue them. Well, here, here's what I want to have pointed out. Uh, I had this pointed out to somebody that I know, you know, I, I've told people I have a source. Uh, and so Alec, I know you hate the source talk. All right, but I'm going to talk about it for a minute. Um, there is a section in the sportsmanship um, uh, section of the big 10 bylaws right here, 10.3.3. Now I'm not going to turn this into loyal talk or anything like that. I'm not going to read it word for word, but I am going to say that the standard disciplinary action is less than $10,000 fine and two games or less suspension for the head coach. Uh, if that happens, there there can be no, nothing done. That is the Big Ten commissioner's choice and nothing else is done. Uh, that's his choice and he does that. Uh, right here, it says the standard discipline action shall be final, not subject to appeal. So there's nothing can be done about that. The next biggest thing, this major discipline action, I've heard this talked about quite a bit, and people are saying, well, if, if they try to do anything larger than that, then the you know Michigan is going to sue. I've even seen Sam Webb and some other guys talk about, well, Michigan is putting together everything with their lawyers, so that way they can sue. Um, the same exact thing is also put at the bottom of this one. Its decision shall be final and not subject to appeal now, Michigan can possibly get around that and do an injuncture. This is just me. I have no source or anything on this, but I don't think that Michigan wants to do an injuncture because then you are holding yourself up to discovery in court. Do you really want Jim Harbaugh and Connor Stallions and everybody else to be under oath in court? I, if I was a Michigan fan, I wouldn't want that. I, if I was Jim Harbaugh. I wouldn't want that. Uh, so the injuncture could pause everything and keep Jim Harbaugh coaching. But I, to me, I don't think you want that to happen. So I, 
Yeah, cannot be appealed. Right. So it cannot be appealed. Like I said, there can be an injuncture, but that's going to open you up for discovery. There's going to be so many different things in there that it's going to make it very, very difficult uh, to do. So we have Jason Zellman right here. I am a lawyer. I have no idea if you actually are, Jason, but if you are, congratulations. You've been to law school far more than I have. Uh, UM does not want discovery. Trust me. Uh, Chris is saying no judge will allow that with these contracts. Exactly. So... Again, I'm not going to try to get too deep to it and, and pretend I'm a lawyer because I'm not. But I do want to say that this this thing that Michigan fans are holding on to right now that well we'll sue or we'll do an injuncture that, that's just what you're that's what the media is kind of feeding you for hope right now. And I hate to be that guy like the media is bad. Obviously, every single fan base has bad media in there where they're just trying to get clicks and trying to get things to happen. Uh, but I, I think that you're being led astray if your hope is, well, we're just going to sue. Unfortunately, I do think that there is going to be a suspension for Jim Harbaugh uh, announced sometime this week. I see a lot of people saying tomorrow, Monday. I don't know if that's the case. Um, but I do think that there is going to be something put out there. Clickbait. I don't know if you're calling me clickbait or not, Chris. If I am, sorry. Uh, but I, I do you're so you're more. so clickbait, bro. I know, I know, I am. Um, I'm just giving you guys my opinion here. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Sorry. Uh, but this is what I have heard personally, and that's what I think is going to happen. Um, so you know, let let's go ahead and get you guys' thoughts. I'm going to take this down. Uh, Kent, let's start with you. Um, how would you react if Jim Harbaugh got an indefinite suspension until the NCAA investigation is over? Listen, I'll be honest. I'll be surprised because if you go back to the beginning of the year um, when the recruiting violations were coming about, Michigan was the one that suspended Jim Harbaugh. Am I not right about this? So if they have information about stealing signs and they if they have that information um, and that's it. Listen, let me take a step back real quick. Everything that's happened so far, or a lot of the things that have happened so far, has been a ton of hearsay. The only thing that I know for sure happened is that the Big Ten notified future opponents that there was a chance that Michigan was stealing signs. And Connor Stallions has definitely been, uh, however you want to look at it, he was suspended and then he retired or whatever he did, uh, stepped down or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Those are the two things that have been like concrete for sure. All the other stuff, even the stuff with like him on the sidelines at Central Michigan is like just all like speculative at this point. So um, I have heard nothing that's like concrete from the NCAA or the Big Ten about what information they actually have. And I do know that the NCAA met with or I'm sorry, the Big Ten met with the president at Michigan on Friday. I believe this is this was a story that was broken on Friday. And if they've already had a conversation and, um, you know, Tony Petiti's telling Ono that, hey, we're going to do something right here because we have this information. Michigan has a track record of just taking it into their own hands and suspending him themselves. So I don't know if they have that information. Sorry, my ring light's getting all excited right now. Um, If they have that information, I'm not sure why they're not doing something already and they're waiting for the Big Ten to do something. So I'll be surprised if something happens with it. this week or next week or whenever because i personally think that michigan would have already done it if they have the same information that the big 10 and the ncaa have that's just my opinion though 
Yeah, no, and I think I think you make a lot of really good points there, Kent. I think that, you know, in addition to what you said about the President Ono and the Tony Petiti meeting, um, I, I from Again, I don't want to be sources guy here because, you know, I, I don't want to be that guy at all times. But I do think that from the letter, reading that, and then reading, you know, into some of the things that were said afterward, I don't know if that meeting was completely cordial between the two of them. From what I heard, there was a suspension that was requested that Michigan would make in that time. Uh, but I mean, if you're a Michigan fan, you got to love it because Michigan is sticking together here. Uh, they don't want to do anything to each other. They don't want to come out and admit anything. And, you know, at, at the end of the, if, if Michigan truly believes that they're completely innocent, good for them. You should stand on that and you should be united in that. Um, I, I hope that nobody's lying and anything is being wrong, told wrong there because I think that somebody be- lying in college football, right? My pearls. <laughs> Uh, but unfortunately, like you said, that, that's just something that, that can happen. Uh, Alec, what, what's your reaction to some of this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I really wouldn't be surprised at anything that could possibly happen because I feel like we really haven't seen anything like this before because I kind of never, never has happened before. So I, exactly. So I wouldn't really be surprised if anything happens. Um, yeah, I, I do agree that, you know, it does seem like Michigan would try to take this into their own hands, especially with that suspension that Harbaugh already served earlier this season. So I, I just don't, because I believe it, correct me if I'm wrong, the big 10 can operate separate from the NCAA in terms of these suspensions, right? Yeah. That's what the um, bylaws of the sportsmanship thing that I was just reading was they can do their own thing and not have to consider the NCAA. And I'm sure that they're, the NCAA and the big 10 are working together to try to form some kind of punishment that they deem necessary. So I, I, I'm just interested to see how this is all going to go down and what the reaction is going to be, because, you know, like we just read these certain, certain, these certain kinds of things are, are not subject to appeal. So, you know, I, I don't know where this could go. It's going to be playing out in real time. And I'm sure once we do see some kind of resolution, there's, there's going to be a lot of takes Uh, that's uh, obviously, but, yeah, I, I, I'm just fascinated by where all of this is going. And I wish I had a time machine because I was up in the press box for Rutgers versus Virginia Tech, the opponent right before Michigan. And I wish I could have, you know, had a little bit of monoculars and been like, all right, which of these guys looks kind of like Connor Stallions? Although I'd never heard of the guy when I was at that game. It was pretty funny, though. There was a there was a picture that was circulating on uh, on Rutgers on Rutgers Twitter, I guess, um, the week that all of this kind of blew up and came out. In the student section, a couple of rows back from the front row, there was a guy just kind of standing there in a Michigan hoodie, and all of a sudden, everyone's like, "Who the heck is that? And what's he doing there?" And it, it, not, it turned out to be nothing. But yeah, yeah I, I just have no idea where this is going to go, and I really would not be surprised by anything. Did he have sunglasses on with a blue light? Mm-hmm. Not from what I could tell. He was just kind of standing there with his hood up in a Michigan hoodie. So we were all like, "What's he doing there?" In the student section, no less. He just loves Rutgers football, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I, again, I don't want to say anything for certain because I was just wrong about something the other day. So I'm not going to be Mr. Like, oh, this is definitely happening. But from, from what I think is going to happen, most likely either Jim Harbaugh is going to get suspended indefinitely, or there's going to be the two game suspension announced. They're going to see how Michigan reacts. And then they might bring that further into the indefinite thing. I think the question of will Jim Harbaugh be suspended is out the door. I think it's about how much will he be suspended now more than anything. And if you're, do you think that, uh, let me, sorry, JR, I didn't mean to cut you off. 
I am wondering though uh, if this opens up a bit of a Pandora's box because from what I know, Michigan is the only team that has had a private investigation on their foot, like a spotlight on their football program. And, you know, (laughs) you could be naive if you want to and say, hey, we investigated them because they're the only ones doing this. Or you could be realistic like I am and say, how many other schools, if you had a private investigation against them, would have similar allegations? And then that's maybe why there's been some hesitation from the Big Ten or even the NCAA, depending on what information they have, because they're going to be like, oh, man, if we do this right now. If we do something crazy right now, we're going to have to do it to everybody once we get any bit of once a tweet comes out that there's someone else on another sideline and we see it, we're going to have to investigate that. And then we're going to have to do the same thing to them. So I don't know if that is something that the Big Ten especially is ready for. Um, if something were to come out about Ohio State or Iowa or Wisconsin or anybody else that could possibly be doing this, it just seems like a lot that they're going to have to, you know, uh, hold up on their end of the bargain if they do something really drastic. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the effect of making the big time money of the Big Ten. I think it's happened quicker than we thought because, I, I mean, if you're an SEC fan and you're watching this happening mm-hmm. and you're seeing everybody react to like private investigator and stuff like that, any SEC fan is like, private investigator, we have one of those on campus every single week. Because, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it happens all the time in the SEC, all the time. I mean, and, and, and there are rumors out there about coaches hiring them and everything else. I mean, it, the the amount that that stuff gets talked about that we Big Ten fans don't realize is is probably much greater uh, than what we truly do see. And I think that what the Big Ten has to do here is they have to, like you said, Kent, they have to try and figure this out in such a way that they don't keep having this happen. Because you don't want the Big Ten to have this dirty conference look like the SEC has had with the money and the paying players and stuff like that. I mean, this year has definitely not helped with Northwestern, Mel Tucker, uh, this situation. It's definitely not helped the Big Ten. But I also think that all of that stuff is getting put out there more. Because the money is so much bigger, because the administrations care so much more to get a step ahead of other people. Uh, yes, Michigan is the is the you know the corner of this right now. Um, but if I can kind of speak freely a little bit here, uh, they are not you know they are not the only one that is guilty of things. There are other schools out there that want to paint this on to Michigan because they know. Oh crap! We're doing things as well that we don't want people to figure out about. So if we can just throw everything on Michigan, um, the, you know they can be the ones in the spotlight. Uh, because at the end of the day, everybody is cheating in some way, shape, or form in college football. Some more than others, uh, but there is no school, at least in the Big Ten and the SEC, maybe some of the Big Ten, that are completely clean and and not doing anything that's not against the rule. How dare Tom Tom Allen is running a clean program down there in Indiana. How dare that's you? That's why he's losing. I, yeah, <laughs> I think that's you? the problem. <laughs> I mean, that, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like the programs that are losing, yeah, those are the ones that are, you know, good boys. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it would be even worse if they, if they were cheating and this is how it was going. Right? <laughs> that's, that's a good point. <laughs> well, that's like the Tennessee situation where they were paying players and the players were taking the money. And not going to hey, it's, it's, it's me, Jeremy Pruitt. Here's your $30,000 to go five and seven. Yeah. <laughs> 
Why do you why do you have that right there? That's my dinner for after we're done recording. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Some might say that uh, Jimbo Fisher is stealing and cheating from Texas A and M right now with all the money he's <laughs> making. So, all right. Well, that is our uh, Big Ten uh, Michigan segment for the time. So, if you were only checking in for that. Stay with us. We appreciate it because we're going to get into some Wisconsin and Indiana. Speaking of Tom Allen, big win. Indiana wins 20 to 14. Um, I, I tell you what, I was surprised by this one. I do think that Wisconsin had a little bit of a letdown after the big Ohio State game in this one. They didn't play nearly as well as they did for some of that Ohio State game. Uh, but I give credit to Indiana. Brendan Sorsby had a good game. It was really, really interesting to see how they played and the defense, I feel like, uh, played the way that we're confident an Indiana defense can play. Uh, Kent, what were some of your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I was going to start with Soresby, too. I thought he looked great getting outside the pocket. I think he was uh, making some big throws in some big spots. And he he reminds me of uh, Brendan Sullivan from Northwestern. A couple guys that didn't really they didn't they didn't start at the beginning of the year. It's not like they didn't really start. They straight up didn't start at the uh, beginning of the year, but come in middle of the season and uh, really playing pretty well, though, for a team for both teams, I think. Um but Soresby specifically in this game, you know, he I thought he looked great. Um, and I'm just happy. I'm happy for Indiana fans because it's really tough to go through a whole season without a Big Ten win. Right. This was their first one. Am I right about this? Um, the first Big Ten win. Yeah. 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 So uh, happy for them. But you also have to look at the other side of the ball. Wisconsin's missing. Uh, you know, going into the season, especially you're missing your quarterback. You're missing your running back. You're missing your best wide receiver uh you're playing on the road and i was actually pretty shocked how many people were at indiana yesterday that was a pretty big crowd for uh indiana team that's not very good um so happy for indiana like i said swordsby looked good i thought the deep i think the defense the last few weeks has been playing better um but it really felt like the, the way this game was unwinding it felt like what indiana's kind of been doing all year they scored first against michigan uh, I think they scored first or they were hanging around with Penn State there for a minute. Um, and then they kind of fell apart in the second half. And that's exactly what this kind of looked like in the second half because it was Indiana in the first half. And I was like, okay, well, they got enough juice for a couple quarters. They just can't finish anything. Wisconsin comes out and starts scoring in the second half. But then, you know, Indiana just holds on. And what a great win for my guy, Tom Allen. I mean, great win for him. A lot of people writing him off. He's probably going to get fired. I mean, I say probably a bunch of people. Uh, I actually said last week on my show that everyone that I respect that talks about Big Ten football has already said that he's definitely getting fired. Um, and he probably is. But I do think that this helps his cause a little bit if he's got any cause to help at this point. Um, it is still Wisconsin. It is still a home win for them. So happy for him because um, his guys have been fighting for him all year. Um, so I'm glad that they picked up this win here, but, uh, yeah, he's probably still gone though. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, let us know here that, uh, if Penix was still there, they'd be average at the very least. And I can't, yeah. Say, I, I mean, but that's an upgrade though, right? <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I actually get Brendan Sorsby and Brendan Sullivan uh, mixed up sometimes. <laughs> they're, they're so similar. Their style of play is very similar. They are, and the names too, Sullivan, Sorsby, kind of similar. Yeah. Uh, Alec, what do you think? Yeah, uh, as a fan of a team that went two years without a Big Ten victory, it's it's not easy. I'll tell you that. It's it's not easy. But, yeah, I mean, I guess good for, good for Indiana. 
Uh, I'll be the first one to say I thought Tom Allen and um, who's there? Who's the new? It's not Walt Bell anymore. I forget. Oh, Rod Carey. Yeah, I thought I thought they were fools for going with uh, Brendan Sorsby over Taven Jackson because I thought he has the tools to be a good Big Ten quarterback, but he's proven me wrong. He looked solid in the beginning against Rutgers, and then he kind of fell apart. But again, he looked pretty solid here too. And yeah, you're right that Wisconsin is absolutely destroyed offensively. They're down their quarterback. They're down wide receiver. They're down not only Braylon Allen. They're also down Ches Malusi for the entire season. So yeah, it's it's tough to see from Wisconsin. And this is a pretty typical Indiana football game. You know, they strike first with some big plays, and then they kind of slow down from there. But they were able to hold on. This is a really solid defensive team, and I feel like they have been all year. And you know, looking back at some of these other games that they played, hanging around Penn State like they did last week, you know, they hung around Louisville, and Louisville is looking like one of the 15 best teams, at least in the in the college football playoff rankings right now. So they've been shown an ability to hang around teams. It's just they haven't been able to finish it yet. So good for them that they did today. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, where has Jalen Lucas been? Because, you know, they try to get him involved, but, you know, it feels like, they're just kind of in between on what they want to do with him because, you know, they'll have him, you know, in the slot where he's probably at his best, but then they'll also line him up in the backfield for some, you know, I know against Rutgers, they had a few different like speed option packages with Lucas in the backfield, but I would like to see them do more with him. And I feel like maybe they could get a win here or there. Uh, I I don't know the rest of their schedule off the top of my head. So maybe I'm completely off base, but they're, they're past Ohio state and Penn state and Michigan, I believe. Yeah, they're past Penn State and Michigan. I know that for sure. Um, and I believe Ohio they're past State, Ohio they State, the too. First, yeah, they played the yeah. First game oh, that was the first weekend of the season. So, yeah, I mean, maybe uh, maybe Tom Allen can get himself out of Indiana and maybe some better graces. He's, I agree, he's going to get fired. But um, but if you're Wisconsin, you know, you really got to take a step back and check yourself because you're 5-4 and four right now, and your schedule for the rest of the season, Northwestern, Nebraska, Minnesota – one would say you should go three and zero in that stretch, but where this offense has been completely banged up and hopefully Braylon Allen's back next week for them, it's not a given. So they're going to really have to look in the mirror and dig deep and try to finish off the season because it feels like a bit of a letdown, at least in my eyes, because I thought they were going to be a dark horse playoff contender. Obviously it is not shaken out that way, but you got to do something to kind of not save the season because I think, yeah, unless they go zero and three, I think the season is still pretty good. Um, but they got to figure something out to just fix this offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if Wisconsin doesn't make a bowl game, that is going to be obviously really, really uh, depressing for them. Even losing your quarterback and your running back, you still need to make a bowl in the Big Ten West. Um, I'm not trying to be that guy that says the Big Ten West sucks or anything like that, but I think we can all recognize the Big Ten West is not the Big Ten East. You don't have those three teams every single year you have to play. Um, so, yeah, I, and I think – I think overall, Braden Locke has not been that much worse than Tanner Mordecai. Not to say Mordecai was bad or anything, but I'm just saying like the drop off from Mordecai to Locke, I don't think has been bad. I just think that team rides with Braylon Allen, and I think earlier in the year, Ches Malusi, uh, you're down to your third string running back right now with a new, brand new head coach. <clears throat> you know, at that point, it just gets really, really hard. So, all right, let's move on to Penn State and Maryland. Penn State getting back to their old ways. 51 to 15 with Maryland. I just realized that flipped the score there. 51 to 15. Uh, Drew Auer had a good game, threw the ball deep a little bit more in this one. Tulio Tongavailoa did everything he possibly could, but his team just completely let down on him in this one. Uh, it was an interesting game, but at the end of the day, obviously, Penn State was the better team. Alec, what were your thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm glad that they didn't have a letdown after Ohio State, or 
I'm glad for Penn State that they didn't have that kind of letdown after Ohio State because, you know, I was I was checking out some of the previews of that game, and I know uh, the other Alec on the Big Banter Network from the uh, the uh, I think the I think the three B for Penn balls. State, yeah. Booze Bets and Ball Pod. Uh, they have not played well after a loss, and especially because this was supposed to be the year coming into the season that they were supposed to you know take over, take that next step, and finally get to a Big Ten championship game at least, and or win the Big Ten at least, and they couldn't get it done. So. I don't want to say it feels like the season is over because that's too much of a stretch for, you know, the first weekend in November, but it definitely felt like a bit of a letdown. So it's good that they didn't have that. And I saw an interesting theory. I don't remember who said it, but it was that now that Drew Aller, because he threw his first interception last week, now that he got that under him, it feels like he can kind of open up a little bit more. And as a young guy, you know, you don't want to be scared to make mistakes, but maybe that's what the case was for why he had been playing too well of late. And now that he, you know, kind of got that first mistake out of the way. Okay. I made a mistake. The world's not ending. You know, we're still winning. Now I can play a little bit more loose and he had a great game. You know, there's not much else to say. Um, I'm just wondering when that running game is really going to truly get going. You know, Katrin Allen, 14 carries, 91 yards and a touchdown. Nick Singleton, eight carries for 20 yards. That run game was supposed to be the backbone of not just this offense, but I guess in a sense, the team as well. So once they get going, this Penn State team definitely one to look out for. But I just don't know if this is the year once again that they can get over the hump. And I don't think they beat Michigan this weekend. Um, so I don't want to say their season is over, but it just feels like they're never going to get that to that next step. But for Maryland, it's kind of like Penn State's situation where you don't want to say the season is over, but on steroids because the season actually is over because it's November. And as per usual, they're completely falling apart like they usually do. Like you said, Talia was good. It just they could not get anything going around them. You know, when you have, uh, I don't know if this is right. I'm looking at the ESPN box score right now, and I think they're counting Talia's sack yardage as rushing yards. When you have, yeah. ne- I, I guess without that, you you still have negative two yards rushing over an entire game. And the Penn State defense is really freaking good. They might be one of the best ones at the conference in a conference full of great defenses. You just can't have that. So. I think Maryland's really going to have to look in the mirror, kind of like I said for Wisconsin. This stuff happens every year for Maryland. You know, they 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 have a lot of talent. It's just they can't get it done when they need to. So they're really going to have to look in the mirror and say, you know, when are we going to take that next step? And the last three games of the season, you know, you got Nebraska. You can and probably should win that game to move to. So they're five and four right now. They move to six and four. They get to that bowl. They get over that bowl hump, and then they play Michigan and. Let's be honest, that's probably a loss. And then you got that final matchup against Rutgers, and both teams could be coming in at six and five. Rutgers could be coming in at seven and four. That's going to be a matchup that obviously as a Rutgers fan, I'm going to be looking forward to. But for Maryland, you know, they've pretty much dominated Rutgers the last two years. So if they can't, if they can't beat Rutgers this year in that last game of the season, there's going to be a lot of tough questions for Mike Loxley. You know, this was supposed to be one of the best teams that he's had, probably the best that he's had since he's been here just another November collapse. So yeah, um, both teams, it, w- it was a tale of two teams. One tough loss, didn't get any kind of hangover or anything like that. The other team's in a bad stretch and they are falling apart, falling victim to that hangover. So it's all about how they respond. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Kent, what were your thoughts on this one? I have not watched this one back yet. I didn't get to see it on Saturday. Um, and I blame Peacock for that because I had a, the Peacock game on my main TV and I had uh, whatever other game was on at the same time. I think it was the Illinois-Minnesota game on my second TV. I have two TVs, and I still wasn't able to watch this one. Even YouTube TV didn't have, like, the option 
for like uh multi-view for the Penn State game with Minnesota and Illinois. So I uh, made the decision to watch Minnesota, Illinois. But I will say just real quickly about these two teams. Um, I think Penn State can beat Michigan. I don't think that they will anymore. I used to think that uh, they were going to, and I don't feel that strongly anymore about them, especially going into the season. I was really high on them, um, and I'm not as high on them anymore. Um, for uh, Maryland, though, I agree they should beat Nebraska next week, but I could see them losing that. I mean, give me some evidence that didn't take place in September that they can beat Nebraska right now. I mean, I'm I I could really see them losing all three. And I know Alec, you're being a little modest because Rutgers fan, but man, I don't think there's a shot they go to Rutgers and win that game at this point. Based on what I've seen their last four games, I don't see how they could do that. So um, it sucks for Maryland, but uh, you know, what are you gonna do? They're not playing good right now, and they can't get out of the rut. So I don't think they can beat Rutgers. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, at Penn State, their defensive front just completely owned Maryland. Uh, I don't think Maryland's offensive line is that bad, but they just couldn't do anything against them. And I think Rutgers has one of the best defensive fronts in the Big Ten. Uh, it's, <laughs> again, it's kind of weird to say because we haven't been saying this for a long, long time. But, <clears throat> you know, Greg Schiano has this as a really respectable team. And they're talented. They're playing really hard. And, you know, you think sometimes after you lose one of those big games, uh, teams kind of fall off. I don't think that's going to happen with Greg Schiano and this team. I think this team's playing for respect, and they're trying to get there as best they can. So uh, I I wouldn't even be surprised if uh, if you know they they end the season uh, with going two for three here at the end. So uh, I, like you said, in Penn State's case, I think Penn State would have a much better case if it was a night game and if this was the whiteout. I think that. Yeah. Penn State is the team that has taken the biggest hit with this big noon kickoff thing because now their big games are like Iowa and, uh, you know, Wisconsin in the wideout, not these big games with Ohio State and Michigan, um, you know, which those were the games that were the most difficult for Ohio State and Michigan to win uh, when they went to the wideout. And unfortunately, they just don't have that luxury anymore. So it's going to be another noon kick uh, over there at Penn State. Um, I mean, the crowd will still be great, but it's just not the same as the wideout. So, all right, let's move on to Illinois and Minnesota. This is a really good game. Uh, I, I think that it was fun to watch. I think that sometimes the Big Ten West gets that, you know, label of like, oh, it's all defense and stuff. But at the end of the day, this was this was really, really cool to watch. I felt like it was uh, good to see Newton get back in there and do some more. Uh, oh, I'm going to see this really fast. Uh, Chris Smith says ESPN matchup predictor has P- PSU at 50.7% over UM. I, I've seen that, and I'm not sure I believe it. Uh, but, hey, ESPN put it out there, so there's something to it. And he also said Shiano is a better head coach than DC. Kind of odd. It is It is odd in that. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll move on to Illinois and Minnesota. Kent, since you watched this one, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I actually did watch this one. It was a great game. And uh... – I'll go back. Just one beat going back. Maryland fans can't be mad at me, by the way, because last time I was on your show, I said that they were going to beat Ohio State, I believe. So uh, they definitely <laughs> can't true. be mad at me. I was really I on there. You put that TikTok out there. I, do, I put the tick Man, I put my name on the line for Maryland, and then they haven't won a game since. So uh, don't be mad at me, Maryland. Be mad at yourselves. Uh, this game, though, good game. Uh, I also said last week that I thought this would be the closest game, so I'm a genius because I got that right somehow. Um I'm surprised by Illinois, man. They've really turned things around because they were they were super bad at the beginning of the year. Uh, defense is playing a little bit better, and uh, Altmaier's been 
looking way better lately, not turning it over as much. They still did turn it over a couple of times yesterday. Um, I thought that Minnesota was going to win this game going into it because of those turnovers and them being able to take advantage of it. And they did, I think, once were able to capitalize on it, but they didn't do it enough in this game and they weren't able to uh, finish out the game. That's really the story. I mean, there's really nothing else to talk about but the fourth quarter. Minnesota takes the lead. Uh, Illinois comes out. There's four minutes left. Minnesota picks them off. That's game, dude. You're at the bank right there. You have to finish that game right there. Uh, they're not able to do it. Give the ball back down. To, uh, give it back to Illinois, I should say. And they drive it down in like a minute 30 and score. Like I mean, it was like 45 second drive, I think, or something crazy. So uh, good drive for Illinois. Go down and get the win um, and big win for them. I mean, I think this we should probably discuss this a little bit further as I pull it up. But I think they're technically still alive in the West, right? It seems like Iowa kind of has a stranglehold on it at this point, but I mean, crazier things have happened. No, um, good win for Illinois. Um, bad loss for Minnesota, to be honest. You have to finish that game. Like I said, if if you just turn that game on with four minutes left and you watch uh, the pick and how much time is left in the game and where the game is taking place, you're thinking Minnesota is definitely going to finish this off and they weren't able to do it. And that's unfortunate for them. You yeah, pulling up the standings? I'm trying to. Alec, you talk about it, and then we'll talk about that when I get this. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Ken. It's just a really bad loss for Minnesota, and it's just one that it feels like they're supposed to take the next step. You know, they beat Iowa controversially, I guess, and then you blow out Michigan State, and you're saying, all right, this is where we take the next step. You got a mostly level opponent in Illinois, and you just can't get it done. That's a really tough pill to swallow. And it feels like, you know, PJ Fleck, he's he's just got to start winning these games. And that's just another one that he just couldn't get to. But, I mean, like you guys were saying, good for Illinois because, you know, John Paddock came in, Luke Altmeyer got hurt, and he had a beautiful ball to Isaiah Williams. And, by the way, I remember Isaiah Williams because he was a quarterback for, for in, the, in the COVID season for Illinois and diced up Rutgers. But that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, what a ball to take the lead. And – yeah, really good for them. They've really turned the season around. It was looking like it was headed uh, towards disaster, especially after that 20-7 to loss on national TV on Friday night. Um, but then, you know, they got the win against Maryland. They almost got the win against Wisconsin. They got this win. It's a lot of close games, and they're just they're getting the experience that they need to get these close games. Yeah, we're looking at the standings right now. It's kind of a mess, to be honest with you. Really, the only teams that are out of it are uh, Purdue, definitely, and I would say that I don't know if Northwestern has enough juice to make it a real race, but everyone else is still in it. And especially with Iowa playing as um, ugly as they are, anything can happen. So it should be uh, not not maybe not a fun race, but a but an intriguing one for sure. Well, Did you say Altmaier got hurt yesterday? I, I think I maybe I'm maybe I'm misreading something. No, you you're probably right. I mean, I have three kids running around my house when I'm watching football games, so they they could have put you know. Yeah, Paddock was three for three for eighty-five yards and a touchdown. Okay, yeah, I yeah. totally missed. I, th- that. I thought that was I thought that was someone different than Altmaier out there. I was I, I I saw a different number, but yeah, he came in on that last drive and just tore it up. Mm. Yeah, I think missed Northwestern that. is probably eliminated with Purdue because they lost to Iowa. So even if I mean, I guess there is a way if Iowa loses their last three games and Northwestern wins their last three, so there is technically a way. Uh, but Illinois, they are still alive because they still play. Iowa, and honestly, listen to the last three games here of Illinois' schedule. Indiana, at Iowa, Northwestern. Let's go. 
Let's go it, fighting Illini. Show some it's fight. Possible. It's possible. I mean, Wisconsin losing certainly helps that. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I see a path here. I don't know how likely it is. I'd like to see the ESPN uh, matchup predictor for this one, Chris, if you have that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't think it's super likely, but it could it could happen. You guys think so? I've been posting uh, every week on Fridays. I've been posting uh, every team's chance to win their final whatever games it was for the last two weeks. So like their last five games, last four games. So at, at some point this week, you will see me post everybody's percentage chance to win their last three games based on that ESPN matchup predictor, which some people don't even put a lot of stock in anyways, but I'll have that out later this week though. Follow me at casual big 10 on Twitter. There you go. Go follow (laughs) casual big 10. (laughs) All right. uh, We got covered that one. I think let's move on to Nebraska at Michigan state. Uh, If a team has any, uh, you know, validity to complain about the refs, I think it's Nebraska here in this one. This was a close game and I don't think you want to rely on the refs playing against this Michigan state team who uh, what they've lost five straight or something like that in a row. And they've got their first big 10 win here. So uh, just a really difficult game for Michigan state. Um, Alec, what were some of your thoughts on this one? Yeah, uh, difficult game for Nebraska. Sorry, not Michigan State. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I I know in the in the Slack I was going back and forth with the guys from the Sully Scoop, and we were both kind of commiserating about the officials. And yeah, uh, it was it was rough, and that felt like one of those games that Nebraska just had to have, and they just couldn't get it done. Two interceptions from Harburg definitely hurt. Caden Hauser was okay. Uh, overall, not a very pretty game. In all honesty, it's just one of those games that just you know didn't go Nebraska's way. And yeah. That missed pass interference was really, really bad. It was it was definitely one of the worst missed calls that I've seen. Of course, I was uh, I was jaded enough by the own multiple missed calls in my own game earlier that day. I know I, I know I keep going back to that, but yeah, it just felt like one of those things that you just could not get things to go their way for Nebraska. And you know, if we're looking at the last three games on that schedule versus Maryland at Wisconsin versus Iowa. There's there's one win in there somewhere, whether it's versus a reeling Maryland team or a banged up Wisconsin team, or maybe even they pull something out of their you know where and beat Iowa at Kinnick. They could go to a bowl and going to a bowl in Matt Rule's first season, especially given where the program was at last year, be a major success. It just really hurts to not be able to get a win there, especially when you know both teams didn't play all that well. And on the Michigan State side, you know, good for them. I know I saw Harlan Bennett going crazy on the sidelines after getting his first win. You always love to see that. Good for him. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's good for this team to get a win because it felt like a lot of what's happened this year, just the the players and even the coaches, they, they didn't deserve any of it. So it was good to see them get a win. And I don't know, looking at them right now, the season's still probably over They're three and six and one and five, their last three games, Ohio state, Indiana, Penn state. So in all honesty, they'll probably go four and eight at best definitely four and eight at best. So it was good to have him get one win uh, here, you know, get him a win at home because the winnable games, the winnable game that's left is on the road. So just get into the rest of the season, get some, you know, maybe play one of Penn state or Ohio state close beat Indiana. And you can go into the season completely clean slate, say, all right, now we got a coaching search. We finished the season. You know, we could have just rolled over and died after, uh, after Mel Tucker got fired. We didn't, we played some tough games now it's just time to put it all together and get a new guy and start this program from scratch. 
Yeah, exactly. We are, our, our friend Chris posted uh, the West is the wild card, pure mm-hmm. guessing. And it is because as we're talking about Nebraska, they are 3-3 three and three in the conference, one game out of <laughs> the Big Ten West. Uh, I said at the beginning of the season, this is the most chaotic division in college football, and I'm so sad it is going away. I wish it was staying. Uh, Kent, what were your thoughts on this Nebraska-Michigan State game? I mean, we just talked about Minnesota bad loss. That's a terrible loss for Nebraska. Michigan State's so bad. You can't lose that game. If you're talking about winning the West, you cannot lose that game. I don't care where it's at. Um, so really bad loss for Nebraska. Uh, but as Alec was saying, good for Michigan State. Actually, their last home game, technically, because that Penn State game is going to be at Ford Field in Detroit. So yep. um, in front of their home fan, I don't think a lot of people are going to show up for that game, to be honest. But um, in front of their home fans at uh, Spartan Stadium, good for them to get a, a win going out basically for this season and like kind of put a little bow on what's been a really uh, disappointing season for them. Um, that's pretty much it. I don't have any, anything else uh, significant to add to this to this game. I don't think that you guys haven't already covered. Yep, we got our last one. It was at Wrigley Field, Iowa at Northwestern, kind of at Northwestern since it was at Wrigley Field. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you get disgusted by Washington versus USC just scoring on every single drive, uh, don't worry. We have (laughs) Iowa played for you. Uh, At this point, I think... Kirk Ferentz is just kind of playing a joke on all of us. He's like, hey, how how few points can I score and still win all of these games? Uh, Kent, what were your thoughts on this one, man? Beautiful. Just beautiful game all the way around. Loved it. Uh, Wrigley Field, I thought it looked really cool. Uh, Kirk Ferentz wasn't a big fan of it at all. If you listen to his post-game com- comments, um, apparently he didn't even sign on for this, which I was surprised to hear. Uh, but good win for Iowa. Uh, Northwestern has been playing really good. I've been on the Northwestern bandwagon since uh, last basketball season. Just really like pulling for the Wildcats because nobody else does it, I feel like. So uh, I've been really happy for uh, Northwestern the last few weeks. Had every chance in this game to go get a win. Um, Had the ball with chances to go up. Uh, I mean, every single time they had the ball, basically, because it was 0-0 up until the third quarter, which was insane. but just couldn't finish drives. I, I, Iowa defense, we talked about Michigan's defense. Iowa's defense is so good. They do not let people score. And everyone gives them so much flack for not uh, gaining yards with their offense. And their offense is bad. Don't get me wrong. Um, but their defense makes up for it so much. They usually, and in a lot of games, um, it, even though they don't out, out gain people, it still feels like they have a handle on the game because the defense is playing so well. Um, I know that a lot of people have been jokingly talking about Tory Taylor as like a Heisman candidate. Obviously that's not going to happen, but he is very valuable to this football team. I mean, he switches the field so much for them. And, uh, I, I like watching Iowa, play. I love all these games. I can't wait to watch Iowa play the rest of the year. I like low scoring games. I think they're kind of humorous in a way and, uh, just really entertaining to watch. I like defense, so I don't mind a low scoring game. Little crazy to be zero zero this whole time, but um, I thought it was a fun game to watch and surprised actually that Iowa hit that field goal because this game had overtime written all over it. Mm-hmm. That last field goal at the end that was a deep field goal, um, but a really fun game. I liked this game and uh, like I said, I I actually said it two weeks ago when uh, Iowa beat uh, Wisconsin that I thought they took control of the West and they were going to Indy and this kind of just solidified it a little bit more. They definitely it's not over. As the commenter just said, it's always wild in the West, but 
it feels like the teams that they have remaining and their path is very favorable for uh, them to be making that trip at the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I will update everybody really fast uh, because we do like to update people on the Tory Taylor uh, ability to possibly break a record from 1938 when a quarterback and running back was also punting the ball for Michigan State. Uh, he had 4,138 yards that year. In order to break that record, Tory Taylor needs to average 303.8 yards per game. In this game, he only had 234. So, uh, you know, still possible, though. Still possible, yeah. The average will just go up uh, a little bit more. And this is assuming that they only play 13 games. So if they make the Big Ten Championship and then a bowl game, watch out. Tory Taylor is breaking the record. Brian Ferentz, let's get this guy some carries. Let's get him on the Heisman ballot. Put him in the backfield. Exactly. What do you got to lose at this point? Nothing. Put Tory Taylor in the backfield. (laughs) Alec, you agree? Tory Taylor in the backfield? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I feel like... I more than anyone else uh, in in the Big Ten can appreciate a punter like Tory Taylor because we also had a punter by the name of Adam Corsack who routinely saved this this team our, our team. So I feel like I can I, I can appreciate him much uh, much more than anyone else because you know playing with an inept offense and being able to just flip the field is a very it's it's a privilege that you don't know you have until it's gone. And Flynn Alpaby has been pretty good this year. I know we're having a lot of Rutgers talk. It keeps circling back for some reason, but he's not Adam Corsack. Nobody is. And by the way, it's a travesty that, you know, no disrespect to the CFL, but it's a travesty he's playing in the CFL. He deserves an NFL shot. I'm surprised nobody even gave him a shot. All right, rant over. Anyways, Ruck, uh, Iowa versus Northwestern. Yeah, I I, I bet the under on this game. Um, I, w- I would have won myself a couple hundred bucks if it weren't for Utah beating the ever-living daylights out of Arizona State, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, this had, uh, you know, Kent, you said this had overtime written all over it. I'll take it a step further. If not for that field goal, this game had five overtimes written all over it, in all honesty. It would have been one of those, oh yeah, it would have been one of those awful games that we look back on, like the Penn State-Illinois game. But yeah, I mean, not only does here's the thing with Iowa. Not only do they, you know, not let teams score, they actively create opportunities themselves with the turnovers that they can create. Not only on defense, but on special teams. You know, that's why Rutgers lost to Iowa last year because of the multiple pick sixes. You know, not only do they stop teams from moving the ball and scoring, that's the sign. Of, even a great defense from a generational defense, it's you know, you don't let teams score, move the ball down the field. It's and then it's you, know, you create opportunities to score, whether it's through turnovers that turn into short fields, or you're making po- or you're getting points from your defense. Period. So, yeah, I think Iowa's pretty well set to win the West. It's going to be hilarious to watch them face off against either Michigan or Ohio State, um, because I, I have no idea what to expect from that game. Um, Rutgers faces off against them this weekend. I'll be in Iowa for that game. Should be a great experience. Uh, really excited for that. And I'm really excited to also the, the second I land in Chicago on Friday morning, uh, I am opening FanDuel and I am putting under uh, 28 and a half, which is currently where the under over under is at. I'm putting the under. I'm putting the under on it. I know that for sure. So it should be another uh, great generational defensive game this weekend. And yeah, I I'm, I'm excited to watch uh, some more Tory Taylor. Yeah, for sure. I think Tory Taylor's a uh, one of the best stories in the Big Ten West right now, uh, and it's just so fun to think about every single time. So, all right, well, let's get into our Big Ten coaches of the year. We're gonna give our top three picks here. I like to update this every single time, and, and my followers seem to love it. So I've decided to just kind of make it a staple into the recap. Uh, so I just want to get you guys' thoughts on if you were voting today, 
who would be your top three picks for Big Ten Coach of the Year? Obviously, this can go quite a few different ways. You could list, you know, James Franklin, Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh if you want to. I personally have put Jim Harbaugh at the bottom of my list because I just I, I don't think there's any chance for him to win it. Um, I, I, you know, realistically, with everything going on around, there's just no chance. Uh, we have a comment here from Fox Coyote. Hot take: Harbaugh suspended for the OSU game. Michigan still wins. Day gets fired before Harbaugh. I don't know if Har- uh, Day gets fired if they lose, but I would definitely not put it past them because I think this this uh, the players on this team are really freaking good. Um, so I wouldn't put it past them to win. Um, but yeah, so I want to get you guys' top three votes on the Big Ten Coach of the Year. Alec, let's start with you. So top three, I guess uh, I, I hate to be the homer, and once again we're talking about Rutgers. It's, it's a Rutgers world, and we're all just living in it right yeah. now. I think Greg Schiano's number one. Uh, I talked about it after uh, when we were talking about the Ohio State game, just the turnaround that they've had on both sides of the field. I, I agree with Chris. Shiano's doing more with less than some of the other teams. You know, this offensive line, a lot of the personnel is still there. In fact, they even lost guys last year, and they have looked lights a uh, light years better. So, uh, and and then the, the defense, the defense was already pretty good. And they've just taken a complete step up this year. I didn't think they would. I thought they would be better, but I don't think they would be this much better. And just the way that they're winning games, you know, it's not like they're scraping by the teams they need to beat. They are beating down on the teams they need to beat, save for Michigan State. But that game, I, that game is another reason why. It was a coaching masterpiece because I'm, I'm going to go off on another bit of a tangent. Michigan State might be the worst situational football team I have ever seen. Um, why you line up for an onside kick with eight minutes to go in a three-point game, why you're lining up to defend an onside kick, I don't know. Um, shout out Tommy Amonqua, the guy who picked up that football, went to high school with that guy. Great kid. Uh, really love to see that. Um, yeah, so Shiano's my number one. I, I don't want to go on another rant, but I think David Braun's my number two, and I hate to I hate to you know go against Rutgers, but I think if Northwestern somehow gets to a bowl game, I think he'll win it, and I think he should win it because, you know, Nine months ago, this man was a defensive coordinator in the FCS, and now he's the head coach of Northwestern. And if he does get to a bowl game, he deserves to win that coach of the year because the way that he's kept this team together, really, they only had like two or three guys enter the portal after Pat Fitzgerald got fired. So the way he's kept them together, just been able to you know keep it, keep it going, I think he definitely deserves uh, some consideration. And my number three is Matt Rule. Uh, I talked about it a bit, uh, talking about the Nebraska game. I think he deserves some consideration because the program that he came into and, you know, Michigan state was definitely a bad loss and that definitely goes against him, but he's definitely turned this team around and they haven't had the best quarterback play. Jeff Sims was just kind of flat out terrible and, uh, and Harburg is okay. But I think that, you know, the way that he's turned this program around, the defense looks so much better. Uh, I think he'll definitely deserve some consideration, but I think the top two are clearly Shiano uh, and David Braun. Yeah, I agree. I think those are the top two. I, I put my rankings up here for everybody to see. I have Kirk Ferentz at three right now, but I, I would not be opposed to to Matt Rule uh, at all. I think Kirk Ferentz gets a little bit more credit just because of the injuries that are going on with his team. I mean, he's lost his two top tight ends uh, through that one. He also lost his starting quarterback. I don't know how much different the offense is with Cade McNamara instead of Deacon Hill, but still, with all these injuries, he's still managing to stay atop the Big Ten West. Kent, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to put, uh, I, I basically agree with everything Alex said. I'm just going to flip-flop one and two. I think David Braun had the toughest job going into the year, and he's done more than anybody thought he was going to do this year. Now, Greg Schiano's right there with him. He's done more than anybody thought he was going to do this year either, or as well, I should say. So 
Uh, those guys are one and one A basically for me. Um, and then I think for if I had to do a third one, I would either say it's Jim Harbaugh because he's the coach of the best team in the Big Ten right now, uh, as far as I'm concerned, or it's Ryan Day, depending on if you think Ohio State or Michigan is better. And if you're not going to put Jim Harbaugh on the list and you think that Michigan was cheating, then you got to put Connor Stallions on there because he's the reason why they are winning by so much because they have stolen all the signs. So uh, it's either it's got to be one of those three guys, depending on uh, how you look at it. You can't say, oh, they were cheating. That's why they're winning by so much and not put Connor Stallions as a coach of the year this year. You just can't do it. You can't have it both ways. There you go. Yeah, no, I had uh, Jim Harbaugh actually th- second on mine before all the cheating stuff came out. And uh, I just, when I look at it, I I just don't see any possible way he wins it with this stuff going on. No. How much it sounds like the Big Ten coaches hate him and everybody else and everything. Uh, so who actually votes on this? I, I I really don't know. Who who I decides this? I think it's the media. Oh, man. Which media? ESPN or uh, Fox? Uh, well, there's like the credential media for the Big Ten teams and stuff like that, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if it's Fox or who it is. I'll have to do some more research into that because I actually don't know all of that. But but these are mine, so this is what I vote for if I had hey. a vote. So um, <laughs> we got some going back here, back and forth here. Fox, Coyote, Wolf comes back in. If stolen signs matter that much, explain five kids, Walker, TDs. Uh, that was, they, didn't they like, go no huddle or something like that in that game. And then it completely turned around. I forget what I, happened. I do game. remember Michigan's defense couldn't get people switched off the field fast enough in that game, but oh, that's Walker's I mean. a great running back. That's how you explain it. He's really good. Yeah. One of the best to ever play in the big 10. And then Christmas Connor is now unemployed. <laughs> hey, hey, they didn't say, they didn't say big 10 employed coaches of the year. Yeah. Hey, if uh, but if he doesn't get a show cause, I'm confident somebody is hiring him again soon. The SEC is calling right now. I know they are. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, any final thoughts, guys, before we get out of here? No. Nope. Here's mine. I I, I do I, I do have one. So let's say Rutgers beats Iowa. Let's say Rutgers beats Maryland, and you know they lose to you know they lose to Penn State because you know that's probably what's going to happen. They're eight and four. Which bowl game do we think Rutgers goes to? There's three that it seems like they're uh, on track for right now. One's the Penn State Bowl. Uh, one is the Las Vegas Bowl. And one is um, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, I believe, the one in Arizona. And there's one that I don't want, and that's the Penn State Bowl, because Rutgers has already played in it twice, uh, and we don't want to go back there again. I don't want to go back there again. I want to spend my December in a warm place, whether it's Phoenix or Vegas. I don't really care. Um because you know I'm I'll be I'll be going out to that game because uh, I work with a radio station a student radio station here at Rutgers so you know I want to spend my my winter break somewhere warm that would be awesome I'd, also for the player perspective uh, the grassy Yankee Stadium sucks yeah. or at least the grass they use for the pinstripe bowl it sucks so I don't want to have a bunch of opt outs or heaven forbid injuries so uh, I am putting on a campaign for Rutgers to get either the Las Vegas Bowl the guaranteed rate bowl. Or I believe someone else mentioned the ReliaQuest Bowl in Tampa. I want to spend my winter break in the sun. That's that's my campaign. Spend my winter break in the sun. 
Yeah, I don't know if they bring that into consideration if a team has been to a certain bowl game or not before. I know they do think about like location sometimes where it's like, oh, well, this team is a lower budget team, so they wouldn't have to travel as far and stuff like that sometimes. But at the end of the day, if you're in the Big Ten, nobody's a lower budget team nowadays. So <laughs> just make the yeah. trip to wherever you go. Get Alec on a beach somewhere. We don't want him to be, you know, in the cold uh, or anything like that. And for yeah. the love of God, please don't send me to Detroit. <laughs> yeah. You have any hey, thoughts man. where they could go, Kent? Oh, I'm all good, man. I'm from Michigan, though, so that's that's hurtful that you say you don't want to go to Detroit. It's a great city. I, I got married I've been in to Detroit. Detroit. I've been to Detroit. It's oh, okay. well, I've been to the airport in Detroit. I don't have anything against Detroit. I just have I'm I'm against Detroit on December 26th. That's my problem. That's fair. That's a fair point. All right. Well, hey, thanks, guys, for being here. Man, we went long on this one. I think it was a lot of good discussion, though, and I appreciate you guys uh, doing all that you did. We will see you again next time. All those of you who listen, thanks for coming in. See you later.